0: And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. A new artificial intelligence chatbot program called ChatGPT is taking the Internet by storm. Users claim it can pass graduate-level tests in business and law programs, and some real estate agents are saying they can't imagine doing business without it. So what is ChatGPT? What are its possibilities? What are its limits? And we will chat more conventionally with Jason Thacker, who serves as Chair of Research and Technology Ethics and is Director of the Research Institute at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's the author of several books, including Following Jesus in the Digital Age and The Age of AI, Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Humanity. Jason, good to have you here. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me back, Al.
0: Let's let's look at this. Uh, is it, first of all, in your estimation, does this represent uh, a, a real a, new, a real a watershed development in artificial intelligence?
1: I think yes and no. I mean, a lot of folks who have kind of studied or thought about artificial intelligence for a while uh, in many ways saw this moment coming. I think for the larger public, this does feel like one of those kind of watershed moments. Mm-hmm. I think many of us, when we think of artificial intelligence, think of a system that's kind of far off. It's kind of always at arm's length. It's something kind of Armageddon or kind of futuristic robots and things like that. It seems like it's really far off. But reality is is we're all using artificial intelligence every single day, from right. our smartphones to our social media to our email to various communication things and even banking and economics and manufacturing. We're all utilizing these tools. But I do think that this this moment feels different because we're starting to see the ability of a machine to do something that didn't seem like it was possible. It seemed like it was only that humans could do something like this, of producing this kind of text or responses. Um, So I think it feels like a watershed moment, even though it. In reality, these systems have always kind of been here, but they're growing more and more advanced each day. Yeah,
0: yeah. There was a Google engineer who apparently said his chatbot had become sentient and had a soul. Yes. Um, what, what, what happens when somebody says that? What kind of relationship do they have with a chatbot?
1: Yeah, I think some of those questions are really interesting, especially because, I think a lot of this comes down to a fundamental misunderstanding of what does it mean to be human, which I really think is one of the central and animating questions of all ethics, even social ethics, but specifically when you get into technology ethics. We're seeing these machines do things that once were reserved for humans alone, but also in many ways how we described what it meant to be human, a rational reasoning agent, one who could create and write and speak and draw and all of these different things, So it's challenging some of those assumptions of what it means to be human, Um, and can help us to reframe, well, what does it really mean to be human? And I think as Christians, we go back to say, well, God has created us His very image. It doesn't matter how advanced these machines get, they'll never be able to obtain that type of status. God has created us very unique and all of creation. We exhibit that through our reason and rationality, our, our relationships and the ways that we reflect God. Um, but those things are attributes. They don't really entail who we are at our core. We're mm-hmm. an image bearer of the Almighty God.
0: Can you imagine a time when these uh, forms of artificial intelligence could bear moral responsibility,
1: I don't, and I think that's one of the defining aspects yeah. of what it means to be human, yeah, that we are right. moral agents, yep. and we're morally responsible. That's what it means to be an image-bearer. Um, even if our animals who uh, – if you have a dog and it bites someone, it may be, quote, guilty, but you as the owner bear responsibility. You more, you bear the agency. You have to uh, seek to right that wrong. And I think that's something similar as when we're facing some of these big – these. These tools, these machines, is they are indeed tools. They are indeed machines. Um, but the creators, those who are behind them, coding and using them, we as image bearers bear that moral responsibility and agency. But it doesn't mean that somehow these machines are um, morally neutral or something like that. It's saying, no, they do have – they are shaping forming the way that we see ourselves and the world around us. But I think at the end of the day, we as image bearers bear that moral responsibility and agency of how we develop, as well as how we utilize these tools.
0: What is new uh, in uh, ChatGPT?
1: Yeah, ChatGPT, it's kind of kept, caught, uh, caught the society by storm, especially in academia and um, college campuses and universities, because this system, you can ask it a question. It's like a chat uh, chat window, and you can ask it a question. You can say, describe this or tell me about this or what happened here. And because of the amount of data that the system has and also the learning, the machine learning that's gone on, it can produce what seem to be very original responses, often very thorough, often very detailed responses, whether it's an email that you ask it to respond to or to write a paper or to give you an idea or an outline or even describe a reality or summarize an idea and it's pretty amazing honestly of the things it can do i remember really early on when it debuted testing out and just being kind of blown away at the sophistication of what this machine's able to do and so there are a lot of advantages there's a lot of excitement surrounding it, but there's also some inherent dangers that i think we need to be aware of and also some limitations of this current iteration Um, that may or may not be able to be overcome as we move forward. And so I think we need to take kind of a more holistic approach rather than just all excitement and optimism or just kind of this sheer pessimism.
0: I mean, you know, if you ask it a historical question, you know, uh, why Napoleon failed uh, to maintain an empire, uh, it actually can give you an answer. It
1: can. And and one of the things that I think we have to realize here is it's not, quote, a thinking machine in some sense, because there is a set of data. Uh, Even the open AI, the company that developed the system, will tell you that there's a cutoff in terms of the knowledge that it it has. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a certain date that they had compiled kind of resources and data. That data not only was collected by human beings, but then it was also uh, cleaned up. It was shaped yeah. and things like that. So there's obviously some values that kind of get embedded in that and the way that it answers. It's not answering it kind of unbiased. Um, it's deeply uh, kind of set into values and certain beliefs and ideologies. So some of those are the limitations. But it it can't answer everything. And one of the things we've even seen in the last few days is people asking questions and it making facts up. It's making up information. It's attributing <laughs> articles to people who never wrote them. Oh, really? And that's one of the things that as it may be a young person or a student or even kind of a novice that might be utilizing a system like this, you may not know that. Um, you may not know that so-and-so didn't write this article or that's not that they never wrote anything like that. But that's where you have to see is education is a lot more than just information transfer. It's actually about a whole person transformation and developing wisdom and discernment and being able to understand. So that's one of the reasons, especially in the education realm. I think we need to be wary and cautious, but we also can see how can we utilize this tool maybe in the classroom to help students grow and to learn and to mature in their faith.
0: Yeah, I, I really, it's, 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 I wonder about this. I mean, uh, a student... Um, asks a question related to the theme of a paper that he's required to uh, Mm -hmm. uh, write and he doesn't just pass off what he gets from ChatGPT he just takes what he got and massages it, works it uh, learns from Mm -hmm. it and then submits the paper under his own name. That's not, strictly speaking, plagiarism, but it sure gives him an— I would think it would give him a a huge advantage over uh, fellow students.
1: It really can. It kind of depends. There's kind of some debate even outside of this specific instance of what is plagiarism. I define plagiarism as passing off one's ideas or words as— uh, passing off someone else's, or in this case, maybe something else's, yeah. ideas or words as your own. Yeah. So when I'm in the in the classroom and I'm educating and teaching students, and I, I actually put this as part of my syllabus moving forward. I have yeah. a conversation with my students to not only make them aware of a system like this, but to be aware of its limitations, yeah. to be aware of some of the bias that may creep in that they need to know about and also addressing why they feel like they need to use the system. Are they stressed? Are they full of anxiety? Do they have a family emergency? To see there's a lot more going on here than just getting a grade. But thats we can talk about that later. But in terms of utilizing this is to realize, you know, passing off ideas or passing off concepts or outlines uh, from someone or something else as your own I do think is plagiarism. And one of the interesting things here is that when you go and you – Put a, you ask the system a question, you don't get sourcing. Okay. It's not giving you footnotes where these ideas come from. I see. Um, and so in some sense, it's, it in and itself isn't plagiarism when you read it, but if you do pass it off, you may not know where the sources are. And so in some sense, it kind of neglects part of the intellectual journey of doing research and compiling ideas and things. So as a professor and as an ethicist, yeah. I've utilized it to summarize an idea. But in it, I always go back and I'm examining it and thinking through it and almost using it like a Wikipedia,
0: where yes, I think okay. well, all of
1: us have utilized Wikipedia at some point
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, to understand something. But we don't pass those ideas off on our own. One, because it may not be right. Yeah. I can go in there and say that I'm a, a pro athlete. I'm definitely not a pro athlete. <laughs> um, it can be edited. And so we have to realize that these systems are not perfect, that there are certain limitations inherent even in their design. But also to be aware of those who may seek to pass off these ideas or these concepts as their own work when it's really not.
0: Yeah. Um, Let me flip this a little bit. Is there anything that uh, ChatGPT takes from the user? Does it gather information from the user? Does it use that information?
1: They do tell you when you go to sign up for the system, uh, you do create an account similar to like a social media account. It's kind of amazing the number of accounts uh, that it gained even in the first few weeks, more so than most of the major social media platforms did um, in terms of how quickly it uh, gathered users. Um, But there is certain data that's collected about the user and the questions they're asking and follow-up, because it's not just you can ask a question and it sets out an answer – you can then ask it to clarify or to follow up or to ask a question about something. And it, it can create the allure of almost like a conversation with someone, even though it's an, an artificially intelligent system. Mm-hmm. And so there is some data collection going on and the system's always improving, uh, whether it's improving because the system is growing um, in its complexity or understanding of something, um, or it also um, can be at times changed. And so some listeners may be, uh, may be interested, and probably pretty assumed this would happen at some point, is when you went in to ask, well, is a is a baby in the womb a human being? And it would tell you the scientific reality and what the, the science says. And then it slowly and surely over time is now starting to talk a little bit more in an ideological perspective. Yeah. You can ask yeah. it, what is a man? What is a woman? It would give you a scientific definition. Now it's giving a more kind of politically correct understanding. Yeah, And that's because the system not only is changing and kind of continuing to improve in some sense, but it's also having its answers updated um, and changed by its creators that are embedding their values and their ideologies right into the very system.
0: And that's what I was going to ask. So do those who uh, provide material for ChatGBT, uh, are they accountable? Um, You know, because what ends up happening, of course, is, as you say, they smuggle in— uh, points, uh, worldview points that uh, are uh, not factual but are philosophical. Um, how? Who holds the the creators of this accountable?
1: Yeah, and that's one of the interesting questions that we can ask even today in kind of the the digital public square as a whole is that we have very influential and often very times large um, technology companies or social media companies or, in this case, uh, OpenAI. And these companies have a set of values, a set of beliefs and ideologies that are being embedded into the very technologies they're creating. And I think that should be a sign for all of us that technology is not some neutral tool that we just use. We do use it. It is a tool that we use. But these tools carry with them values. They carry with them ideologies or beliefs, Um, and they also encourage you to use them in particular ways. And so even in this case, there's not a lot of, quote, accountability um, per se other than the company itself and its stakeholders and its fiduciary responsibilities and its board. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think we should be cautious and be thoughtful, and that's one of the things I kind of advocate throughout my work is take approach of wisdom. Uh, when we're navigating some of these technology issues. We often want to rush to fix the symptoms or address the symptoms we see, rather than sometimes asking the bigger questions of, you know, who is God? What does it mean to be human? And how do we interact with the world around us? And realizing these tools are not morally neutral, but they are shaping
0: deeply. Jason, thanks so much. Uh, Great job. How do people stay in touch with your work?
1: The easiest ways to go to jasonfactor.com. That's my website. We have a podcast along with a number of books and resources we have uh,
0: Very recently published. And we'll have it uh, linked at our site as well. Thank you so much, Jason.
1: Yeah, thank you, Al.